Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and today we are talking year two ball players in the Burgundy and Gold for the Washington Commanders. So, guys that are heading into their sophomore seasons, if you will, in Washington, from first round pick in 2022, Jahan Dotson, all the way to the final selection for Washington last April in 2022, Christian Holmes, corner out of Oklahoma State. I'm going to take you through every single selection from last year and their projection heading in to year two and what their role or roles could be in multiple facets. Guys that play offense, guys that also play special teams, and of course guys on the defensive side of the ball. So first things first, it starts at the top with Jahan Dotson, who was taken in the first round, 16th overall. And what else can you say with what Jahan was able to do in only... 12 games last year. Moving into 2023, he is going to be not wide receiver two in this offense. I see it more as a wide receiver 1A and a wide receiver 1B in this Washington offense for Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, whoever is under center for the commanders this fall. Jahan Dotson was absolutely fantastic when on the football field last year, tied with the Packers Christian Watson in rookie touchdowns with seven again in just 12 games. So if he plays a full 17 game slate last year, it would not be it would have not been surprising if he te- if he teases with that 10 11 touchdown mark potentially moving into this year where we know now we have a little bit of a sample size of what Jahan can do at the game's highest level in an offense last year led by Taylor Heineke where there were limitations through the air. Well, now you get a guy in your center in Sam Howell that can zip the ball around to a lot of different depths into tight windows. And we know that Jahan Dotson can separate. He's got hands as good as any. And he can understand how to run every single route in the book. So Jahan Dotson, moving into year two, I expect him to be one of the premier year two receivers in football. That's what he was last year. He was top 10 in all major categories, receiving yards, receptions, excuse me. And of course, I mentioned touchdowns. He was also top five in receiving yards per game with 43.6 tied with Christian Watson. So Jahan Dotson, again, moving into year two, expect another healthy workload featured early in football games. Defenses are not going to be able to say, hey, we want to put CB1 in a bracket over top on Terry McLaurin all game long because you have Jahan Dotson on the other side and you have Curtis Samuel and now you have a quarterback in this offense that can threaten both with his arm, with his legs, on play action, RPOs, timing routes. He can also stretch you vertically and we know Jahan has all of the abilities, the burst, 
the speed, the hands, all of that, the route running, I talk about it all the time. The route running is elite. It is fantastic. It is beyond his years. Jahan Dotson moving into year two. Big expectations, even more so than as a first-round pick last year. I'm expecting huge things for him inside Eric Bieniemy's offense in 2023 and in the years to come at full strength. I want to see a full 17-game slate or more out of Jahan this year to really see what he could become as an NFL ball player and a featured weapon in this offense. Now we move back to Washington's second selection in the second round, 47th overall, when they took Phil Mathis out of Alabama, a guy that a lot of the league and really from the media's perspective and around the industry have forgotten about Phil Mathis. Big boy out of, ba- out of Alabama, almost teased with 10 sacks last year in his final season with the Crimson Tide back in 2021. And with Deron Payne and John Allen, and we saw the potential that we saw from John Ridgway coming over from Dallas as a, a day three pick out of Arkansas, he was a hell of a pickup. But now you add Phil Mathis into the fold where he will be that DT3 in a rotation. I don't see him going playing 75, 85% of the defensive snaps right now, of course, because you got 93 and 94 in front of you, both on sparkling new contracts over the last few years. He is going to be a rotational piece. But as a second round pick, and as a guy with SEC experience, and as a guy out of Alabama, just like Deron was, just like John was, a guy that can actually push the pocket, not just claw gaps in the A and B gaps, he is someone that I am extremely excited to see this fall, now full strength, after losing him last year, after just one game played. Lower leg injury, it's nasty. Look, we understand all of that, but now he's back to 100%. And his ability to allow Deron and John especially to stay healthy, to stay fresh is the easiest way to describe what Phil Mathis is going to be able to do because this is not 1950s, 1960s football where you got you play D-tackle, you play D-N, you play linebacker. Then you're hopping the other side of the ball and you're playing offensive line or you're playing tight end or you're playing the old H-back position or you're playing the old G position that they used to have in football way back. This is just... At the hoof last year with Phil Mathis, it was, for me especially too, because Travis Jones was on the board from UConn who went to Baltimore, had a good rookie year. It was a head-scratcher. Now, we know that the Tuscaloosa pipeline from Tuscaloosa and Nick Saban's program up to Washington and Ashburn has been fruitful for a long, long time. And we know that. Almost seemingly every single year, Washington takes a guy out of Alabama. Didn't have one in 2023, but in years past, there's been a ton. You guys know that. But having him as a depth piece and a guy that can start for you right away, they did not draft Phil Mathis to not play. Now, at the time in 2021, excuse me, 2022, 47th overall selection, a top 50 pick, at that time, did it seem like, was he going to be the potential replacement for Deron Payne? At that time, that's what it looked like. But now with 94 and Deron Payne back and coming off of what would look like an all-pro season from him and John Allen, you just have another piece in the fold along that defensive front to where we know the guys on the edge as well. To have him as your third defensive tackle to where you want to run some unique looks, you want to run some bare fronts, 3D tackles, and 2D ends with Chase and Montez standing up on opposite sides of each other, good luck if you're an offensive line and trying to set protections on who you're going to block because you're going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities And I don't think there's a single guy in the NFL, maybe there's four or five guys, your Trent Williamses of the world, your Quentin Nelsons, your Zach Martins, your Rashawn Slaters, 
those types of players were the elites of the elites where they can block a Chase, a Montez. If you move inside, you're Duran and Johns one-on-one. Phil Mathis one-on-one. I'm taking that matchup all day of the week. Every day of the week, excuse me. You saw him against Carolina in the preseason just completely dismantle Cade Mays in the, in the Carolina preseason game. Just throw him out of the club. That is the potential of Phil Mathis working in to year two. Really his redshirt freshman year. Excited to see him work now again, 100% healthy into 2023. Next guy back, Mr. Brian Robinson Jr. What else can we say? Taken in the third round, right before the 100th overall selection, he was taken 98th, again, out of Alabama. The situation last year and last summer was truly unbelievable. Really, there was no other single contestant or part or guy that should have gotten any votes for comeback player of the year other than Brian Robinson Jr. What he came back from that summer, 2022, being shot in an attempted carjacking in the streets of DC was unbelievable. Now, some people say, well, he didn't come back from anything. He was a rookie. Well, he did. He absolutely did. At being The man was shot. What else do you need? So from that perspective, I'm not just saying he needs an award for that, but it was flat out Herculean, alien-like, his rehab to come back just a few, almost short weeks from being on the streets and in the hospital to dominating the NFL. And now moving into year two as a big, bulky, physical ball carrier that has some sneaky juice to the outside that I always talk about with an improved, I think, front five where you're going to have some younger pieces, more athletic pieces, especially within the interior to create more gaps, both on inside zone and outside zone. You want to run power. You could do a lot of different things with Brian Robinson. He'll stick his face in and pass pro. He'll get outside on the perimeter if you want to do some unique things with screens. He just does a lot of things well. And you can't have enough guys that do that. And he fits the type of mold from a character perspective and a leadership perspective of what Ron Rivera wants in this offense and the types of players that he wants aligning when they line up first and 10 against the Arizona Cardinals in week one. At FedEx Field, it will be Brian Robinson in the backfield as RB1. He is going to be the lead back this year. I've talked about it on prior pods if you missed them as as far as the rotation of this RB workload with him and Antonio Gibson and Chris Rodriguez this year. But Brian Robinson is going to be the workhorse and he's going to be the bell cow, no mistake about it. And he is someone moving into year two. I think he could shine in this BNME offense where they're going to look at his skill set and whatever he does best, whatever he improves upon even from last year, They're going to accentuate that skill set and allow him to shine again, moving into year two, a season after he played 12 games, 205 rushing attempts, had two touchdowns, ran for nearly 800 yards again in 12 games. He would have absolutely eclipsed the 1,000 yard plateau if he had a full 17 game slate. Can't wait to see him this year. Moving back there from Brian Robinson's Percy Butler, early in the fourth round safety out of Louisiana Lafayette. Again, Percy, remains to be seen what his role is ultimately going to be within this defense. There is no more Bobby McCain. Now, Bobby McCain wasn't a guy with a high athletic profile. He was just one of these guys that's just a veteran in the league, understands what he's looking at. You can just throw him in there and trust that he's most likely going to be in the right place. Is he the biggest, fastest, strongest guy in the world? No, he wasn't. He's not here anymore. But you draft a guy like Percy, again, on day three, In 2022, early, now he has a year under his belt, working behind a rotation of safeties that is deep for Washington. Cam Curl, 
Derek Forrest, Jeremy Reeves, Percy's in the mix. What do you classify Cleek Hudson? Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Is he a hybrid? Remember, he played the jack spot at Michigan, so you could say Cleek Hudson is a little bit of both. A lot of guys in the building that could do similar things. But the range that Percy Butler has, the length, his frame looks a lot like Emmanuel Forbes. So Emmanuel and Percy were to line as free and strong safety, rotating high and low. Their frames will look extremely similar because they've got long, lanky, lanky, excuse me, elongated strides, can play above the rim, really nice length, PBUs, play at the catch point, those types of things. Percy this year, I think he's going to provide some unique, exotic type of skill set that Jack Del Rio wants to use on this outside because you have guys now in the perimeter with Forbes, with Quan Martin, whether he plays and plays static at nickel or you ask him to play outside or even you ask him to play in that low post or that high safety at times just to throw some unique looks. He did some of that at Illinois. Percy can do things at a lot of different levels that makes life tough for offenses when they're trying to set protections. Every time a quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The first thing that they need to find is the safeties. That is usually the number one key. Are they near the line of scrimmage? Are they high? Is it one high? Is it too high? That is the first thing that quarterbacks look for when they approach the line of scrimmage is where are the safeties aligned. And when you have a Cam Curl and you have a guy like Percy Butler and Derek Forrest and Jeremy Reeves, so I do think, especially with Jeremy, deserves some more snaps at safety because he's just someone that you love to see fly around the football field. It offers you the ability to play both man, zone, man match. You can play quarters. You can do a lot of different things on the outside that just make life hell for defenses. Better athletes, better football players overall creates a better defense. And this back seven has to be better this year if Washington wants to become a defense that is top five, not just top 10 in yards allowed and points allowed, but potentially top three, four, five in the NFL. So Percy Butler moving into 2023, excited to see him moving into just a unique role to where playing high, playing low, probably get some more special teams reps as well. He's a good ball player with a good skill set and seeing how he progresses in 2023. Now we get to the fun part with Sam Howell, the early portions of round five with the 144th overall selection. Again, quarterback out of North Carolina. He needs no introduction. I've talked about Sam Howell for a long time. He is QB1 heading into 2023, but it is year two. And this is also the second straight year that Sam Howell is having to learn a brand new offense. Now, what I love is Eric Bieniemy's staple of his offense, our, our offensive architecture, excuse me, is the RPO game. That is what Sam Howell played and, and operated a lot of in the Phil Longo offense at North Carolina down in Chapel Hill. He's going to have a familiar face on the outside in Jami Brown. He's been here with Jahan. He's been here with Terry. He's been here with the tight ends. He's been here with a lot of the guys up front. Now, setting protections with whoever's at center, most likely Nick Gates or Ricky Stromberg to start the year. That communication is going to come over time. His tackles. He's been here with Leno. Hasn't been here with Andrew Wiley. Those little things, we're going to see little some speed bumps potentially from a protection perspective 
early in the year if Bienemy wants the line to set the protections and allow Sam to keep his eyes up towards the deeper portions of the second level and into the third level. But whatever Washington does this year, if it is Sam Howell for 17 games or more, their success will be hindered upon Sam's ability to reach that performance ceiling. I'm not asking him to be a Patrick Mahomes. I'm not. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, these guys that you can hook your trailer to and ask them to carry you to a win. I'm not asking Sam Howell to do that. The scheme and what Eric Bannemi is going to do, you guys have seen it in OTAs in minicamp. They are installing a lot of screens, a lot of timing routes, a lot of quick hitters to get the ball out of Sam Howell's hands quickly and allow the athletes to be athletes on the outside. And that's just not Curtis, Terry, Jahan. That also includes Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, Cole Turner, those types of athletes, Logan Thomas, guys doing different things, both east to west in an offense and north-south, keeping every level of the defense honest and modifying your game to get Sam comfortable early in ball games. We didn't see that with Scott Turner over the last few years where the offense was consistently static, both from an alignment perspective, personnel perspective, and just what they were doing against every single defense. You watch Washington's film from Jacksonville to Indianapolis to Green Bay to the back end of the year with Philadelphia and Dallas. They're doing similar things. They didn't modify. Eric Bieniemy consistently modifies his offense to what Sam Howell does well. What he doesn't do well, they will work on it, but not pigeonhole him and force him to be Patrick Mahomes. Because this, that was the quarterback that Eric Bieniemy's been working with the last few years of his career. Sam Howell is not number 15 in Kansas City. Please do not expect that. There will be speed bumps. I've said it so many times, so I'm blue in the face. But there is expectations as an NFL quarterback. There's only 32 in the whole world. Sam Howell is going to be one of the starters in week one for the Washington Commanders. Can he uphold those expectations? Because Jacoby Brissett is behind him. As an experienced veteran out of NC State, someone that's come in the league, works his ass off, been in New England, been in Cleveland, been in Indianapolis. He's been in a bunch of different spots, learning a bunch of different offenses, and able to dissect a lot of different defenses as well. So it's nice to have Jacoby in the building as a shoulder to lean on, if you will, but he's going to push him every single day. And with Sam, look, you're the guy. This is your first full off season as the guy in meeting rooms, at him practice consistently with the ones. Now it's about moving into training camp, moving into preseason, getting all the mental and physical reps that you need to when you step foot on first and 10 against the Arizona Cardinals at whatever yard line you're at, you're able to execute right away. I don't want this offense from a 20,000 foot view to look good on a spreadsheet. What looks good is when you execute. doesn't matter who's on the outside. If you execute at a high level, you're going to win football games, whether you're in peewee or whether you're in the NFL. So Sam Howell, the biggest thing is understanding what he's looking at, what he's got on the outside, and just executing a game plan that Eric Bieniemy, I feel extremely comfortable in allowing him to get comfortable in his timing and his feet wet early in football games to then allow him to sit back comfortably in the pocket and rip it and sling it around the yard, which I think he will do well this year. Moving back from Sam Howell, it's Cole Turner, Washington's second fifth round pick, tight end out of Nevada. I've told you guys a ton what my thoughts overall of the tight end group, but Cole Turner moving into this year with no more Armani Rodgers, who in last year was a UDFA out of Ohio University, quarterback convert. Cole Turner, arguably, you could make the case that he's right alongside Logan Thomas as 
the premier weapon through the air in this tight ends group. Washington didn't make an addition in the draft for a tight end and free agency wasn't there as well. So they feel comfortable with Logan, with Cole, with John Bates, and potentially we'll see what Curtis Hodges does as a preseason darling last year. Again, there is no more Armani Rogers. We'll have to wait until 2024 to see him. So with Cole Turner, a lot of big things for him to work on moving back from Nevada to his first year. Separation, blocking. There's there's just limited role right now for me of what Cole Turner can do. And just because he's a big body, I don't want to say, oh, he's a red zone threat. I don't want to say that. Because it doesn't matter if you're lying at the one-yard line or you're inside the red area at the nine. You got to be able to also separate. And you got a guy on you, a, a safety, a linebacker that can run. They're going to be physical with you with the line of scrimmage. If you don't have a burst that can get off the line of scrimmage or a release package to where you can sell an inside route, sell outside, or if you're running a seam and you got to get your hand up and go over the top of somebody, get your head around, you got to get off the line of scrimmage first. And NFL defenses are going to see that. This is not 2004 where you have Zach Thomas and Brian Erlacher covering you over the middle of the field, like guys that run 4'6", four, 4'7". Four, you got guys that can run 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, sometimes lower in the safeties room, corners room, and especially with linebackers with these bigger bodies. All different types of guys that can cover at every single level. So with Cole Turner, look, not a first-round pick, not a third-round pick, not a fourth-round pick. He was a fifth-round pick. There's a reason why he slipped to day three. But there's also a reason why he's still in the roster, and there's also a reason why right now he's tight end two on this roster. Because Logan Thomas is tight end one. John Bates, look, love the kid. Blocks his tail off every single game. But from an aerial perspective, it's just not there right now. But for Cole, a lot of steps have to be taken this year because, look, again, big body. I think he's got good hands. He can make the highlight reel catch if he needs to. But from the separation perspective, the flexibility is lower half to sink, find zones, not run and elongate routes into already occupied zones. Little things in his game that I need to see from him. If this offense, excuse me, is going to reach their ceiling because tight ends, again, are so important in Eric Bieniemy's offense, not just sure hands, not just putting your hand in the dirt and blocking in the run game, but being able to separate over that 10 to 15 yard area in the ball in your hands and creating after the catch is huge in this offense. Next, next two guys, the final two picks, Chris Paul. Look, this overall was a good class for Washington last year. A lot of guys made impacts. Every single rookie last year played in at least one game. Phil Mathis, again, won. Sam Howell played in one, again, with Dallas. And then this next guy, Chris Paul. Again, offensive lineman out of Tulsa. Played guard, started in that Dallas game. Thought he did a nice job. And moving into this year, I fully expect him to obviously make the roster. And as we look at this left side of the line right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sadiq Charles at left guard. They also drafted Braden Daniels, who can play guard and tackle too. But Chris Paul... I thought he did a nice job the preseason last year. Dallas in the final game who were playing for something and Dallas's interior defensive line isn't going to overwhelmingly impress anybody. Now they drafted Mozzie Smith from Michigan this year that will help the middle of that defense and make guys like Nick Gates and Sam Cosme and whether it is Sadiq or Chris or Braden, whoever is at left guard, they'll make them work this fall and the years to come. But with Chris right now, I, if I'm Ron Rivera... If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm giving that left guard spot. I'm keeping it open until someone proves to me that they deserve the job. And we saw last year, which I loved at times, guys, Sam Cosby and Cornelius Lucas rotating at right tackle. If you can play, you can play. If not, sit your ass down. 
That's the bottom line. This is the NFL. You put your best players on the field to win consistently. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Browns game when Ron Rivera decided to put in Carson Wentz. So from that perspective, putting your team in a position to win, best players, your best player at that time was Taylor Heineke at the position. Not going to get into that and go down that rabbit hole right now. But with Chris Paul in the left guard spot, the guard spot in general right now, there is turnover. There is no more Andrew Norwell, Wes Schweitzer. Those guys are gone. You're getting fresh faces in the building, young faces. Let them compete and produce and allow some expectations to arrive at the position. Because right now, for me, the left side is worrisome. Charles Leno, Sadiq Charles, prove me wrong. I want my foot to be put in my mouth as we move forward into week 10, week 12, later in the season, because that is Sam Howell's blind side. It is. Chris Paul, left guard, let him compete right now with Sadiq Charles moving into training camp, and I fully expect that he will and he could surprise. Final guy is Christian Holmes, again, from Oklahoma State with the 240th overall selection, again, in the seventh round. Played in all 17 games on defense and on special teams. And right now, moving into this year, I like his ability as a, a CB5 in this in this roster, CB6. Last year, we saw some Tariq Castro-Fields fill that. Rashad Wild Goose obviously got slot snaps, excuse me, inside-outside special teams. Christian Holmes has a nice athletic profile. Big kid, long, lanky, looks, not excuse me, not lanky. He's got some build to him. He's got some bulk to him. A lot like Benjamin St. Juiced, to where the frame perspective aligns. Benjamin, Emmanuel, and Christian from a length perspective, different body frames, their torso, their legs, how they're built overall, but their length showcases well. And with Christian, again, moving into year two, Oklahoma State defenses over the last few years, extremely underrated, just extremely underrated defense in the Big 12 to where you watch a Big 12 game and it's usually 50 to 45, Baylor over Texas Tech, or a 60 to 35 game with Oklahoma over Texas. That's just the typical Big 12 shootout showdowns that you usually see. But Oklahoma State over these last few years, there were three guys drafted from that 2022, excuse me, the 2021 Oklahoma State defense, Malcolm Rodriguez, who went to the Lions, Devin Harper, that went to the Texans, and then now Christian again in the seventh round over a year ago. It's crazy to think he's moving into year two, but from a special teams perspective and a rotational piece on the outside to where you can never have enough guys that understand how to cover, Christian Holmes fills that role extremely well expect him to make this roster and expect him to compete for snaps with guys at the back end of this corners room with guys like Danny Johnson and Rashad Wild Goose. So that is Washington's 2022 class moving into year two, all of them their sophomore years and Phil Mathis, if you will, moving in to his red shirt freshman year. A lot of guys with expectations, a lot of guys on either side of the ball that have become really staples of their units. Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell. Cole Turner, that's four guys that are moving into year two that should have a hefty role on offense this year. Defensive side of the ball, you look at Phil Mathis. Going to have a big role behind John and Duran. Working with them every single day of practice is going to help him. Percy Butler, talked about it in the safeties room and on special teams. Versatile athlete, long, going to be able to make plays. This is a group right now moving into year two. This is where you win championships. It's in the draft. You have to draft well, but then you have to develop well. You have to coach well. Not just expecting guys to select them off a board and slot them in and say, here you go, figure it out. That's what we saw really with Jamin Davis in year one. Saw progression in year two. Not going to go down the Jamin Davis rabbit hole either. But this group 
year two ball players. Really good job of Martin Mayhew and his scouting staff, Eric Stokes, all of these guys in the building that did a really nice job evaluating players from day one to day three, the back end of day three, and UDFAs, as I mentioned with Armani Rogers, I hope to get back in 2024. Really good ball players that do a lot of things well and check a lot of boxes. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, always appreciate your reviews, your likes, your shares. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. If you don't follow me already, I'm on Twitter, at underscore Ryan Fowler. I'm also now on Threads. Don't know what the future is going to be with Twitter. I'm on Threads if you have that as well. The same at underscore Ryan Fowler. But again, as always, guys, appreciate your time. We're getting closer and closer to this thing, and we are on July 6th. Hope you guys had a great, safe, fun 4th of July holiday. Again, training camp is arriving soon. Rookies report here in a little over two weeks. July 21st is when rookies report. So we got football coming soon. This roster finalizing itself. Really get a good glimpse of all three phases of the game. Really what the initial expectations could be. Moving again closer and closer towards week one. Hosting the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field. So as always guys, appreciate your time. I am Ryan Fowler. I will talk to you guys next Monday. And this is Commanding the Huddle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.